Uh, we are continuing through Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And uh, we have looked and seen how in the first three chapters, Paul lays out what the church has been called to, the glorious, wonderful grace that they have been called to. And then in Ephesians 4.1, Paul says that we should walk in a manner worthy of that calling. And he lays out to us what it means to live as a Christian, what it means to live with the implications of all that Christ has and is doing for us. And he starts out by telling us that the primary thing, the most important thing for us in living as Christians, as people who worship God and love God, is to love one another in the church. That we don't fight one another, we don't flee from one another, but we respond to one another with gospel love. We respond to one another with humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another. And the reason we do this is because we have been given unity with one another. Through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, we are united as one body. You remember the seven ones that he mentioned in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. He says we are one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. And so he says we are united through the Holy Spirit. So maintain that unity. Now Paul goes from emphasizing our unity to talking about, in the verses today, our diversity. <laughs> and we actually will see that our diversity leads to unity. But he talks about our diversity and spiritual gifting. And so that's what we're going to look at today. If you would, please turn to Ephesians 4, page 977 in the Red Bible, if you have one of those. And we will be reading verses 7 through 12. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 through 12. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Let's pray. God, as we come to your word today, we are encouraged because we are useful in your kingdom, Lord. As we explore this topic of spiritual gifts and what you have to say to us about it, God, pray that you would move us into action, Lord. That we would use our gifts that you have given to us by your grace and for your glory. We pray that you would help us to that end today. In Christ's name, amen. One of my favorite running backs growing up was a guy by the name of Barry Sanders. Many of you probably know who he is. Barry played for the Detroit Lions, and he was absolutely amazing to watch. They said he didn't have normal knees. He had uh, ball bearings for knees because the guy would just shift, and he'd move, and he'd find a hole, and he'd hit it. He didn't even need a hole. He'd just make one. Um, Barry actually has quite an amazing story. He actually never played running back until the fourth game of his senior season in high school. 
Um, after leading such an amazing senior year, he uh, he was not drafted by many of the colleges because he was five foot eight. He was small. He didn't have a lot of experience. And so finally, Oklahoma State took a chance on him, and they brought him in. And for two years, he sat behind another running back. His junior year, he finally got to start, Barry did, at, at Oklahoma State. And he had such an amazing year, and his first year starting that he actually won the Heisman Trophy that year. Uh, so he played one year of college football, forwent his senior season, and then was drafted by the Detroit Lions. He played for them for 10 years. And during that 10 years, all 10 years, he was selected to the Pro Bowl. He was an absolute amazing runner. Fun, fun to watch. Horrible to try to tackle, but very fun to watch. One of the things that Barry might best be known for, though, is his retirement. Uh, Barry retired, not necessarily in his prime, but when he was still very, very good and very, very healthy, and he was just a season away from setting the NFL record for most rushing yards in a career. And he retired, and he did it by faxing this letter to his local newspaper or his hometown newspaper in Wichita, Kansas, announcing his retirement. The sports world was absolutely stunned because he was in the middle of a two-year contract. He still was healthy, still had a lot to play for, but he retired. And so many people like me and like the sports world thought, this guy is so gifted. He is so amazing at what he does, and he is wasting it. We would like to have that gift. We don't have it, and this guy is taking it, and he's throwing it away. In the church, there's a temptation to throw away the gifts that God has given to us, to not use them as God has called us to. And there's many different reasons, and I have the same struggles. Maybe it's because of selfishness. Maybe it's because of laziness. Maybe it's because there's someone better at what we're gifted at than we are. Maybe we see areas filled uh, that God has called us to serve in. And so we, we run away and we waste our gifts and we seclude ourselves in our house and in our jobs and we don't use our gifts. And today Paul is going to encourage us and encourage the church that they have been gifted by Christ. And so that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at a couple questions that Paul answers here. First off, how are, or who are spiritual gifts from? How are spiritual gifts given? Who are spiritual gifts to? And he, who are spiritual gifts for? And so, who are they from? Who are they given to? Who, who are spiritual gifts to? And who are spiritual gifts for? So those are what we're going to look at. First off, let's look and see who spiritual gifts are from. Look in verse 7 with me, if you would. It says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's Gift. Very simply, it says that Christ gives us gifts. He gives us spiritual gifts, talents to be used in the church. And there's a couple interesting things just in this verse that I'd like to point out that are, that are fascinating. One is that he says that this is a gift of grace. That the gifts and abilities that you have, you did not earn, nor do you even deserve to have. But God has given it to you as an act of His grace. But the way it's worded here, it, it almost seems like it's even an opportunity for you to show grace. For you to use your gifts and abilities towards people who do not deserve it. To use it uh, as a picture of God's love for them. 
The second thing that's very neat here is that it says that it is uh, measured out by Christ. That Christ measures out our giftedness. Now this is extremely encouraging because it does not mean that we need to question, why don't I have this gift and why don't I have that gift? And even in the gifts that I do have, why are I not more gifted in it? Why am I not better in the areas that I am good at? And what we see that Christ has dispensed His gifts with all wisdom and love for God's glory. There is, uh, there are, this may sound funny to you, but there are celebrity pastors out there. That's, that's all I know to call them. They are celebrity pastors who are just amazing at preaching. They're just absolutely fantastic. There are guys like Tim Keller. There are guys like Matt Chandler. Um, the one that blows my mind is a guy named Mark Driscoll. And the reason why he amazes me is because Mark Driscoll actually preaches in Seattle, the most unchurched city in America, and he preaches for an hour and 15 minutes. And his church is growing because he is such a gifted communicator. Now, there has been a project that has started called The Ordinary Pastor. Not the celebrity pastor, but the ordinary pastor. And it's a book written by a man named Don Carson, who's actually a very famous theologian. But he writes about the life of his dad as an ordinary pastor who had served in very small congregations for very, very many years, for very little pay, and with very little recognition. And they are celebrating the ordinary pastor. At Jacob's Well, we need ordinary you. (laughs) We need you as God has gifted you. You are actually a gift to us, which we will study more later. But one of the countercultural things that this tells us is that you do not need to be the best. You do not need to be the best at whatever you are gifted in. You need to cultivate it. You need to use it appropriately. But God has gifted you with measure according to His wisdom and His glory. One of the beauties of that is that God tells us that He is glorified in our weaknesses. And so He has glorified us to a certain extent to show His glory. And so you don't need to ask like I do, man, why am I not smarter? Or why don't I do this better or that better? Because God has gifted you with a perfect plan. This is so encouraging, isn't it? And so the spiritual gifts that He has given to you, He has given to you intentionally to the degree that will bring Him the most glory. And so spiritual gifts have been given to us by Christ to the degree He deemed worthy. So that's who spiritual gifts are from. They're from Christ. How are spiritual gifts given? Now this gets a little bit confusing because Paul kind of goes off on a tangent here. But look in verse 8 with me. Therefore it says... When he ascended on high, he led, host of, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now, Ephesians 4.8 is literally in the translation there and it's kind of lost, is that he, um, he took captive captivity. He took captive captivity. And so the question is, what does it mean that he took captive captivity? Well, as we read the rest of the Bible and the rest of the New Testament, we see something very clear. That we all have been held captive to sin. That it has taken captivity of our hearts. Jesus mentions this in John 8, verse 34. You can follow along with me on the screen up here. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. 
And so we are held captive to the power of sin. It enslaves us. It captivates our hearts. This is very easy to see. All I have to do is encourage you, go today without sinning. (laughs) Just go and don't sin today. And you will find out very quickly, maybe before I finish this sentence, that we are captives to sin. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He goes on to say, not only are we under the power of sin, but we're also under the penalty of sin. Verse 35, he says, The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. And so those who are captive to sin, those who are slaves to sin, will be cast out from God's house. They will perish in hell forever. But then there's the good news that comes in verse 36. So if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. See, because Jesus Christ is the only one who is not captive to sin. He is the one that can set us free. It it flows along here in verse 9 and 10. Read along with me. In talking about Christ, it says, In saying He ascended, what does it mean but that He also descended into the lower regions? The earth. And so it's talking about how Christ came to earth, was born in poverty to a teenage girl and a carpenter. Verse 10, He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And so Paul is saying that in order for God to take captive captivity, he needed to descend. This is actually what's being talked about in Psalm 68. Paul is quoting Psalm 68 here. And in Psalm 68, what what it is, it is a celebration of victory. And the people of God, the Israelites, are celebrating that God did not remain at a distance, but that God came near and freed them from the bondage and the slavery and the captivity that they were in. That He wiped out their enemies and He freed them. And that God took them captive for Himself, which is real Freedom and brought them back, and they are celebrating that God did not remain at a distance, but that God came to earth and freed them. And you see, that's what Paul is saying here that God did not remain at a distance, but that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. We call this the incarnation. God came to earth in the flesh to set us free. And He went and He lived a perfect life of freedom, uncaptivated by sin. And because of that, he was the only one qualified to exchange his freedom for our captivity. And so at the cross, Christ took on our captivity to sin, our slavery to sin. He took on the power of sin and the penalty of sin, and he put it to death. Three days later, you know the story, he rose again and he took captive captivity. He enslaved slavery and put it under his own authority, under his own power, that he could bring freedom to the captives, to those who are captivated by sin. This is a glorious thing. You may have been living your whole life and never known the freedom of being the captive of Christ. Maybe you have been the captive of sin your whole life. You do things that you do not understand and you do not understand that you can have freedom over those things and freedom from the power and the penalty of sin, which is death. Today, you can trust in Christ. Trust that Christ took on your sin at the cross and live a new life of freedom towards Him 
Surely we will still sin, but it no longer has power over us. And no longer will the penalty apply to us because Christ has taken it at the cross. And so how, how does this have to do with how spiritual gifts are given? Well, verse nine, and this is verse eight, and this kind of, I'll admit this is a little bit of a guess, hoping that it's true. Um, but verse eight says this, when he ascended, being Jesus, he rose again, ascended into heaven. On high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And so it has something to do with Jesus's ascension. This is reaffirmed later in verse 10, it, midway through, it says, the one who also ascended, being Jesus, far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And so somehow Christ's ascension has to do with us receiving spiritual gifts. Well, we know that when Christ was raised from the dead, he told his disciples that he would be sending the Holy Spirit, that they should wait in Jerusalem for. And so he was raised up, ascended into heaven. And sure enough, on Pentecost, he sent the Holy Spirit and gifts came to these men. Gifts, phenomenal gifts, such as speaking in tongues and communicating the gospel throughout language barriers. And that point is when gifts started to come towards men permanently. See, every Christian has spiritual gifts because the Holy Spirit lives in every Christian. You know, it kind of reminds me of when you see a man at like a fair or at Six Flags or whatever it might be, and, and you see him there and he's throwing a softball at those three little, you know, lunt or milk jars, and there's a kid or there's a girlfriend next to them, right? And you know what they're doing? They're trying to, to win the prize for them, right? And so they knock down the bottles, they get the teddy bear, and they give it to their girlfriend or their wife or their kid. Hopefully they don't have all of those. But they give it to one of those because they won the gift for them. Christ won our spiritual gifts for us, and he gives them to us through his Holy Spirit. And so these gifts that we have came at a great cost. They're free to us, but they were purchased by the blood of Christ. And so there is a great importance to using these diligently. And so how do we get these spiritual gifts? Through Christ. Who are these spiritual gifts to? Look in verse 7 with me if you would. It says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Paul is talking to the Christians at Ephesus. And he is saying, If you are a Christian, you have a spiritual gift. Without fault. You may be here thinking, I don't have any gifts. If you have trusted in Christ and the Holy Spirit has filled you, you are gifted spiritually. You have a spiritual gift to be used. And so the important thing is for us to find those gifts and to utilize those gifts. And so how do we find those gifts? In a commentary by James Montgomery Boyce that I was reading, he gives four ways that we find out what our gifts are. And so I kind of want to go through those with you. First off, he said that we should study, that we should study the Bible and see what it has to say about spiritual gifts, to find out what spiritual gifts there are. Here in this passage, Paul lists out some of those spiritual gifts, and all of them in this passage have to do with teaching. But he lists out these teaching gifts. He says there are apostles and prophets. These are people who spoke the or who wrote down the word of God, who God spoke through to communicate His word and wrote it out in the scriptures. 
There are evangelists, people that are specially gifted in sharing the good news of Christ. People like Billy Graham and Luis Palau come to mind. There are shepherds and teachers. This includes people like me, pastors, but also elders in the church. If you lead a community group, this would apply to you. If you lead the children's ministry, this applies to you. And so God has given these teachers to the church. And what's really neat to see is that there is a goal for these teachers that is marked out here. Look in verse 12, if you would, with me. It says that he gave these teachers, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so Paul is saying that the work of those who teach Sunday school, the work of those who lead Bible study, a major part of that is to equip the saints for ministry to help them find their spiritual gifts to develop it and put it to work this is a high calling for me it's a high calling for any who teach at Jacob's well you know there are some misconceptions that the way it works the way church works is that you come and you drop in your tithe and you're paying the pastor to do the work of ministry but here It says that my job is actually to equip you to do ministry. (laughs) And so we are a body of ministers. We are the priesthood of all believers called to minister this great gospel in Jesus Christ. If you are trying to discover your gifts, talk to me. Talk to your community group leader. Let's figure out what those are and put them to work. Now, there are other gifts listed in the Bible. There are many, many more. And I'll just list off a couple more as you're processing. Hopefully you're thinking, which of these apply to me? 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10 adds to this list. It says that wisdom is a spiritual gift. Being able to know the direction you should go. Knowledge, having an intellectual capacity. Healing and miracles like the disciples did. Discernment, differing between what is true and what is false. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, the things that we saw at Pentecost. And then in verse 28 through 30, it also said helping. People who like to work behind the scenes. People who like to pick up the chairs, clean the carpet, things like that. Exhortation. People who will speak truth. Generosity. Folks who will give generously of their finances. This is a spiritual gift. Leadership. And acts of mercy, caring for those that are in need. And so these are all spiritual gifts, but it goes on. And there's more Uh, throughout the scriptures. We see Barnabas had the gift of encouragement. That Paul had the gift of singleness, which I'm glad I don't have. That there are people who had gifts of hospitality and worship and arts and crafts and intercession and prayer. And so there is a great diversity of gifts that are out there. And the question is, how has God gifted you? And how are you using that gift for His glory? And so the first thing we do is we look and we study the Bible to see what the Bible has to say about spiritual gifts. The second thing we do is pray. We say, God, I am seeing these gifts. Which of them apply to me? What are my spiritual gifts? And am I putting them to work? How can I put them to work? Thirdly, we assess. We, we make an honest assessment of our strengths and abilities. And there's two questions that are very helpful in this. The first is, what do I like to do? You see, when God gifts us with the spiritual gifts, we come alive when we put it to work. 
And so the question is, how are we gifted? What do we enjoy doing? But also, what am I good at? Where do I see fruit bearing in my life? And so we assess our spiritual gifts. Finally, we ask. We take aside a brother or sister in Christ that we so much appreciate. And we say, how do you see my gifting? How do you see that I am gifted spiritually for the body of Christ? Grab a few. See if there's a seam that runs through them all. Ask on your car ride home. How do you see I'm gifted for the body of Christ? And so... We find our gifts through study, prayer, assessing our gifts, and asking. At um, this past week, Jason and I went to a church planting conference in Chicago. And one of the things they encouraged us was make sure that you are delegating responsibilities of the church. And my first initial reaction was, that's easy. <laughs> because there are so many people here that are so much better at things than I am. That's so easy to get Rid of them. For example, a few months ago, after community group, we decided to play rock band. If you've never played rock band before, you have a, a guitarist, a drummer, but you also have a singer. And I was given the microphone to sing. So, um, so we're there, and I can't remember some '80s song we were playing. I'm sure, and I'm the one in charge of singing the song. Well, Kathy and Murray Fralick, who are not used to video games and things of that sort, said we want to stick around and see how this thing works. And so we get there, and we're playing the drums, playing the guitar. I'm singing my heart out, and when we get done, Kathy looks at me. And she goes, "Don't give up your day job." <laughs> okay, I won't. Uh, Jason, your job is very, very secure. Uh, because I am nowhere gifted. I love to sing. I love to worship God. But that's not how God has gifted me according to his wisdom. And so, and so spiritual gifts are given to all of us. Finally, the question, who are spiritual gifts for? And we're going to spend the next week looking at this. In great detail, but we have to answer that question today because this is so critically un- important for us to understand the importance of our gifting. Verse 12 again, it says that we are, that um, the teachers are to equip the saints for the work of ministry, and then here's the reason: for building up the body of Christ. The primary reason why you were given spiritual gifts was to build up this body, to build up the body of Christ. Even as an evangelist going out, you are building up the body of Christ. You see, none of us have all the gifts, but all of us have some of the gifts, right? None of us have all the gifts, but some of us All of us have some of the gifts. And so we are called to use those gifts for the building up of the body. I apologize for using another football illustration, but they just come to mind so fast for me. There is a reason why Aaron Rodgers doesn't kick field goals, right? There's a reason why Mason Crosby doesn't play quarterback. There's a reason why Brian Balaga is not a wide receiver, And there's a reason why James Jones is not a tackle. It's because they have all been given different gifts for the building up of that team. You have been given gifts for the building up of the church, the body of Christ. Here is the most amazing thing of this passage. One of the greatest gifts that God has given to Jacob's well 
is you. God has brought you here so that you can use your gifts to serve us. You know, we watched this video of Chadwick, and uh, Chadwick is actually, uh, he, he, well, he shared his story, but Chadwick is an amazingly gifted artist. You know, I, at the very beginning, when you are planting a church and there isn't many people around, you kind of do everything. Um, except for the few people that God brings around you. And so I was putting together the bulletin. I was doing some of the promotional material. And it was okay. I mean, it was, it was bad to moderate, right? That's kind of the quality it was. But then Chadwick comes around, and he does these amazing graphics like this, something that I could never do, right? If you actually go to our website, you'll see it goes through a rotation of pictures highlighting different events. Chadwick did all of those. Not only that, but Chadwick does all the video for the sermons. Uh, Chadwick does the video testimonies and puts them online. He puts the music behind it. And so Chadwick uses his gifts for the building up of the body of Christ. And I am so glad that he is here to do that. All of you have been gifted to serve this body, to build this body up uniquely and wonderfully. And my hope is that we can help you discover that and put it to practice. On the bulletin, you will see there's a website there. And on the website, uh, on the, in the bulletin, that website is a spiritual gift assessment. You can go there. You can take a little questionnaire. It's kind of fun to do. See what the computer says. But, but go through that and then ask a friend, do you see this in my life? Do you think this is accurate? Do you think this is true? See, my hope is that we would discover the spiritual gifts that were given to each of us by Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit at the cost of His blood so that we could help build up the body of Christ for His glory. Let's pray. Gracious God, we praise You that You have given to us spiritual gifts, that You have blessed us so richly, God. I am so thankful for the wide variety of talent that You have already brought to Jacob's well. It is such a blessing to this church, God. We need each other. And that's why you have given us talents, to make us dependent on one another. God, we pray that as we walk out of here that we wouldn't forget this message, but that we would would truly seek out what is the gift that you have given to us and that we will put it into practice by your grace and for your glory. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.